movie and television lovers welcome back to something cinematic the movie and television podcast where we talk about what we've been watching my name is george lopez and with me is mike gonzalez how you doing all right so with this episode we're gonna do another top five list um we're a little late to the party but we're gonna do our top five shows of 2013 movies maybe but that's what i said right you said shows no i didn't (laughs) Oh, I meant movies. So we're gonna do top five movies of 2013. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of gems this year. You know? This wasn't like an insanely great year for movies. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, it didn't start off that way. It's something we were talking about before. Uh, the summer was pretty bad, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but in the last several months, there have been a lot of really good movies, and and a lot of them that had actually made my my well, I made a top ten list. Um, a lot of those movies that I've watched in the last few months made my top. 10 list you know mm. um so yeah there was a lot of a lot of good stuff near the end of the year and um yeah just so overall like i said a really a really great year for movies how did you come up with your list was it really hard for you how, how difficult it, was it? it was i actually went to wikipedia and looked up every movie that was released this year so i could write down the ones that i saw <laughs> and then kind of create a short list from there yeah and uh, it was sh- it was like shockingly hard. Yeah. Even to put together a top ten list, let alone a top five. Yeah. I, I you know I, I ended up with like twelve or thirteen movies that uh, I I thought really deserved a top ten spot, so to mm-hmm. speak, or oh, maybe yeah. even a top five. And and if if I look at the movies that didn't make my top five, and they could make you know a second top five for any other year, mm-hmm. uh, I really was not expecting this year to be this good. But we got I guess in the Oscar window towards the end of the year, just like one after another of incredibly affecting films. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the trend now. In the last few years, it seems like a lot of these movies, a lot of these great movies and our favorites from the year are coming out around the same time near the end of the year. Yeah. And preparation for Oscar season. Yes, and, you know, trying to stay fresh in the Oscar voters' mind absolutely. in the lead up to yeah. the award voting. But yeah, this was like, like you said... A pretty weak summer, mm-hmm. and I think it gave pe- a lot of people the uh, the the idea that this was not going to be a pretty good year for for movies, but at least not in the action sense. Yeah, more so in the uh, the drama. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, um, so yeah, I guess we're just going to get started and start with our number fives. Uh, Mike, why don't you start us off? Uh, my number five was a, a real surprise. For me, I actually put off watching it for a long time, and and for a long time wasn't even going to watch it at all. Yeah, and then I watched it, and it kind oh, of blew my mind. Let me just say too that we haven't, we don't know what our top fives are. You know, we usually know ahead of time before we start recording what uh, our top fives are. So right now, like, we don't know what our top fives are going to be. Right. So this so. one's not just going to be a surprise for the audience, but probably for <laughs> you as well. My okay. number five is Spring Breakers. What? Incredible. Okay. Okay. Uh, this was the movie. That by, is a shocker already. Yeah. All right. uh, written and directed by Harmony Kareen, who is uh, most probably known for uh, kids. Oh, okay. A long time ago, he oh, also wrote yeah. Trash Humpers, and he's done a lot of kind of avant-garde films yeah. that are so not at all suitable for mainstream audiences. Uh-huh. And this is kind of a little bit more mainstream from him, but if you watch it, it's clearly... This is from the mind of a real artist. Yeah, is that James Franco? Is it a James Franco movie? It is. It was starring Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez, which was kind of oh, the headline wow. yeah. for, like... uh, for the movie. A lot of people thought of it like this is the movie where you know Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens are in bikinis, uh-huh. and, and it's kind of like the Disney girls grown up kind of thing, like against <laughs> playing them playing against type. Yeah, and uh, also starring Ashley Benson and Rachel Kareen, Harmony Kareen's wife. Hmm. 
Uh, and as you mentioned, James Franco, who picked up several awards from critics, uh, like critics associations in New York and Chicago yeah. and whatnot, for best supporting actor mm-hmm. uh, for his for role this, in this for movie. This movie. Oh, wow. And it, it's well deserved. It might oh. be my favorite James Franco performance ever. Really? Yeah. Holy cow. Including yeah. like 127 hours in which he was nominated yeah. for an Academy yeah. Award. He was extraordinary in this movie. Everything about this movie is extraordinary. Wow. The way it, it kind of brings you in with this, the idea of, hey, young hot girls in bikinis wearing ski masks, yeah. robbing banks or whatever, robbing stores, whatever the kind of the pitch was right. as it was uh-huh. sold. A spring break movie with like, you know, the hot child stars growing up. Uh-huh. But it's really incredibly subversive uh-huh. once you watch it. The way it plays with gender roles, the way gender is perceived in films, particularly the way we view young women in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it really kind of plays with your expectations of, of how you view them sexually. Right. It, it's it's really wonderful. The things that you, in other movies would be raunchy in this movie are handled with such respect in a way that you never see in films, really. Yeah. I You know, there's a, a, a three-way scene Whoa. That is like no other three-way scene I've ever seen in cinema. <laughs> and you've seen a lot of three-way well, scenes. Well, you've right? seen them a lot, and there's this there's this idea created that yeah. you, when you see like in a, in a video, it's like you know there there will be a guy with two girls, like not actual sex, but in a video we're like making out, right? right and it's yeah. clearly from the male's perspective. It's yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. that like he's the center of attention. These two women kind of like you know slavishly <laughs> falling all over him right and in this movie it's treated in the kind of this way where they're all kind of equal huh. and it's it, it's like it's never been portrayed this way and it seems so it's so much more realistic in yeah. its presentation and but like everything about it the way we view girls going into scenes where like hey there's there's young women walking into a really potentially dangerous scene for them and then yeah. you have expectations of how that scene would play out and it doesn't give you the payoff that you might think otherwise, mm-hmm. that you might expect in another movie. Yeah. It's not judgmental of of young women's sexuality in the way that seemingly every other movie is. Yeah. And that I didn't quite realize was the case until I saw this movie and yeah. saw it handled differently. Huh. I, it was just it was a, a revelation. The moment I saw wow. it, I knew it was going to be in my top five. Holy so. cow, yeah. It sounds I, I, great. I cannot recommend it enough, and it's... Not at all what you think it is by watching the previews or the trailer. Yeah, I haven't even seen a preview for it. Um, I did hear like a couple of people talk about it, mention it. Um, I never really like, you know, like read any reviews for it really. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, and especially with a name like Spring Breakers too, and knowing yeah. that it's uh, and uh, all the all the commercials and even the movie itself is like a wash in dubstep, like heavy uh, dubstep, <laughs> and girls like in, in bikinis, and the movie opens with like this. Crazy heavy dubstep uh, dubstep song uh-huh. from uh, though I forget the name of the group like the kind of or uh, maybe not even dubstep it's what's it called I forget the name of like the, that group uh, that the Skrillex oh it's like Skrillex, Skrillex okay. music I, yeah. I forget what it's called but uh, yeah it's like one of their most famous tracks it's just like thumping heavily uh-huh. and there's naked women. It's like this crazy, debaucherous spring break scene. They're kind of like trying to trick you in a way. Yeah, the, it kind of just like it sets yeah. you up for that so that it can then start subverting those expectations. Yeah. Uh, and it's brilliant. Sounds interesting. Brilliant. I'm going to check that one out, man. I'm so happy he got like this, this mainstream success with this one. Yeah, the director. Cause it, yeah, Harmony yeah. Kareem. Because yeah. like, I, mean, I mean, he's something like... If, I've seen documentaries where uh, they follow his youth and guys like Shepard Ferry who famously drew the Obama Hope poster mm-hmm. and does the oh. Obey Giant. And, like, these are all guys when they were, like, 
like 19, 20 years old, lived in New York, and they were part of an artist collective. Yeah. And, you know, Harmony Korine has gone off to do, like, really weird, esoteric art films that no one watches. Yeah. And so <laughs> to kind of see, like, him kind of go a little bit, uh, just kind of something that's a little bit more approachable. Yeah. And just nail it so, like this yeah. was Pro- beautiful. Yeah. All right, so that was uh, your number five. That was and, my number five. Yes. This is, that's the weird thing about this list is my number five could be my number one. It's so difficult. Yeah, it was, to, it was a really hard uh, list to me. Yeah, but Definitely. this is the, this was the film that stuck with me the most, I think, since really? when I, when I saw it. Interesting. All right. All right, so uh, my number five is one I think might be in your list too, but it's Before Midnight. Before Midnight is the Richard Linklater and Company movie. Well, the conclusion to the three-part series mm-hmm. in the you know what's known now as the Before series, with uh, you know it's it's an, it's just another dialogue-driven gem. In order to avoid spoiling the first two, all I can say is that. And we've talked about it before, too, on the show. Uh, like yeah, we said I've kind of memorably called it my Star Trek. Yeah, trilogy. exactly. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's all I can really say is that this is a series that you really need to watch. Um, this movie will make you just feel many different emotions, you know. It's kind of like a dramedy. It's kind of rom-com, but it, not really. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of hard to categorize it in a specific genre. Um, but, you know, like we mentioned before, it's just a movie about these two people that are, you know, having a conversation about, you know, life, love, mm-hmm. relationships and, you know, all you know, all those things and very philosophical. That's driven, like I said, by the dialogue. Uh, really fantastic performances by Ethan Hawke and, and Julie Delpy. Julie Delpy. Yeah. Yes. And uh who co wrote the the movie as well. Which, right. I mean yeah. I think I feel like it really shows considering it's the two of them on screen so often giving monologues mm-hmm. or having a conversation with each other. So it makes it feel so much more natural that they were the ones who helped write the dialogue. Right, yeah. It's one of those movies that you, you feel like you're a part of the conversation, too. You know, it doesn't seem like they're acting. You know, it's mm. like you're really into the conversation and everything you're talking about, everything they're talking about. And, you know, a lot of it is because, yeah, they, they also wrote the material. So it's very, it comes very natural to them. Mm. It, it's just really interesting. And, you know, aside from the from the dialogue, the writing, and everything, the performances, like, it was just, there are uh, very beautifully shot films, mm-hmm. and especially with this one, I thought the cinematography was fantastic, and um, it's a little heartbreaking at times, but it's also, you know, really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, like I said, there's just so many emotions that, that you feel while watching this movie, and yeah, I can't really be specific about what the, this movie is about without uh, spoiling the first two, mm-hmm. because... I really want everyone, we both really want everyone to check it out that has not, you know. And the first movie in a series is Before Sunrise. Mm. Uh, The second is Before Sunset. And the trilogy concludes with Before Midnight. Well, hopefully it doesn't conclude because there is, you know, the possibility... I mean, I, I, I guess, guess there it's a bit of a spoiler someone. that neither of them die in this movie, right. so it doesn't conclusively end, <laughs> end their yeah. story. But, uh, yeah, I think we can say, like, the first movie, I think, was in 1994. Yeah. So. And then and, and when they were in their early 20s. Yeah. And then the next movie is in, like, 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. when they're in their, like, 30. And now it's, like, they're in their 40s. Yeah. And it kind of checks in with these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the thing this, I, that I love about this trilogy and, and this movie totally fits in with that it is the idea that it seems to capture the way people are 
at this specific age. Yeah. And certainly we're not the same age as they are. They're they're older than us. Yeah. But and you you know when you're you, when you're a kid you like look up you you kind of see things aspirationally you look up like five years ahead of you is what you associate yourself with. Yeah. And so like. I, I remember seeing those that movie when I was younger, when they were twenty, when they were like twenty, twenty-one years old, and it mm. seemed like, like yeah, I felt like like a connection to these characters yeah. and the way they think. And the same thing happened with the sequel, and then again with this one, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Like even though they're like ten or a decade yeah. of, of before us, yeah. like you kind of see that coming. And I wonder, like, can I go back and even watch the first one? Would it <laughs> like? Would I feel alienated from those characters? Right. Because now I'm like, oh, they're stupid young kids. Like, yeah. But it captures it so beautifully yeah. and perfectly. Absolutely, yeah. It's like, and the the, the chemistry between those two characters would mm. pretty much drive the whole series. You know, like, uh, it is yeah. They just have this, such a strong chemistry. And yeah. Everything about these movies seems very organic. You know, like you know everything they're discussing, and like you said, it's kind of things that people talk about at this, those stages in their lives too. Yeah. You know, and. And, uh, yeah, and their just, general worldview at that stage. Yeah, of their, absolutely. Of their and life. like they totally hit everything, you know, yeah. right in the head. That, and it's just it's just an incredible series. And, and they're uh, just like with like with my dinner with Andre, another film absolutely with, like, yeah. a long conversation base. It's like it's almost like for people who like having conversations, it's like the dream. It's yeah. the conversation you wish you were having every day. Yeah, like just these incredible right. long, like, <laughs> free flowing conversations. And. Like, a, like what we do here to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I, it's a great series. So, so Before Midnight is my number five. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Mike, your number four? My number four is, uh, while that last one might have been, like, a, a real surprise to people, my number yeah. four, I think, is a movie that I expected to love for yeah. a long time and that I didn't have to know anything about it. You just told me who was making it and I would tell you I'd love it, mm-hmm. and that would be Inside Lewin Davis. All right. Uh, you know, we're both huge Coen Brothers fans. Yeah. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis, starring Oscar Isaac, Carrie Mulligan, Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. who I have a noted dislike for, but I actually <laughs> I liked him. He had a small role in this film, yeah. uh, smaller certainly than it was built up to be. Mm-hmm. And John Goodman, who was a great, oh in the yeah, film. He and he's great in everything. It's about a uh, struggling folk musician mm-hmm. just before uh, this is in the '60s, early yes. '60s, just before Bob Dylan appeared on the scene. Mm-hmm. And I think the Coen brothers actually said like that was where the genesis was. Like, what was it like to be a folk musician, you know, just before Dylan came in and changed everything? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it is a at times melancholy film. Yes, it is a kind of a slow burn. It is very subtle, but it has that same Coen brothers humor and quirkiness. Mm-hmm. Great performances from character actors. Yep. I thought it was, and it has. I, it must be said, one of the best soundtracks in recent years for a fantastic, film. Fantastic, yeah. Uh, totally of course, by T Bone Burnett, who did "Oh Brother, Where Out Thou." Yeah. "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" With which, what's his name? I just said Marcus Mumford mm-hmm. uh, of Mumford and Sons. The two of them kind of collaborated to create this. Justin Timberlake also kind of came in and helped, as well as the Punch Brothers, who are another folk band. Mm-hmm. So they all kind of came together to write this music, and and so you have this really kind of authentic, really like on its by on its own right great soundtrack they could yes. listen to independent of the film and it would be it was fantastic so yeah I'm, that's your number four that's actually my number four too that's your number four as yeah, well so Look at that. Lewin Davis Synergy. also my number four oh uh, yeah a beautiful film and, and in a way like kind of surprising in the way that it ends where it's like yeah. oh wow and you kind of recontextualizes <laughs> the entire movie yeah. with a love that's, that's something I, I, I mentioned uh, 
after I had watched it and I texted you. I was yeah. Like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, of course, the Coen brothers, you know, and it just they just created another fantastic movie with, you know, many fantastic elements. Like you said, the, the, the music was just outstanding. You know, it's a simple story, but it really is brought to life by these troubled characters and, mm-hmm. and just like an incredible score. Like you said, too, um, there is definitely a melancholy feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a lot of Coen Brothers. You know, that's a Coen yeah. Brothers. And like there's always some kind of melancholy undertone, you know. And, and because it's not for everybody. Okay. have like kind of like a I guess kind of like almost like a dry humor to it as well there yeah. are really funny moments but they're very they seem very genuine and they're not like they don't they don't have to try to be over the top with it you know mm. so like you, you can find a lot of humor in this whole melancholy kind of like this whole melancholy uh, situation because like I said it's about a struggling artist that's trying to make it and you really you end up feeling for him even though this character is probably not the best person yeah and so you're kind of conflicted. <laughs> like, do you want to root for him or do you don't you? But it, but you can't help it because Oscar Isaac just delivers such a fantastic performance mm. that you do kind of 
feel uh, some sympathy towards him, even though at times certainly he's by, like not the best person. By, but... Like like every problem he has is a result of his own actions. Or, yeah, like it, it's it's this is like it's a common thing with Coen Brothers the way they treat their characters, yeah. and the the way they kind of uh, the the way they they guide their characters mm-hmm. based on the type of person that character is. Yeah. And you could write a thesis on the way they treat their characters yeah. and, and their, their kind of morality and how they see it. And maybe, yeah. and he's not, you know, he's not the best guy. Yeah. He's not, maybe not even a good guy. You uh-huh. know, it, it, I've seen people compare it to like girls where like, you don't like the characters, but it, they're so interesting. Mm-hmm. And you're so, I mean, certainly this is more so this is the Coen brothers. Yeah. Uh, and this is again, like, like, it's like true auteurs, you could I, I could show you this movie without telling you who made it, and you would immediately know it was the Coen Brothers. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, have that yeah. same kind of poetic, lyrical style to their dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the way they use alliteration to kind of punch things and make make you know a regular statement seem a little funny or quirky or interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's <clears throat> great. It's great. Yeah. It made, made my top five, obviously. Right. In, you know, a great year. I, I for me personally, I know you said you liked uh, what Michelle. Uh, what's her name? Um, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan. Actually, yeah, she's one. Of, she's one of my favorites. Even yeah. though I couldn't remember her name just now, but yeah, but she's clearly great. the only like uh, Justin Timberlake. Eh, I didn't really like him in this movie too much, but luckily he I wasn't think, even in it that much. I, that's why I think smartly uh, <laughs> they used him sparingly. Right, and and like remember how we had a conversation about Justin Timberlake before? How he's really self-aware. Yeah, and I think even in this movie, when you're watching it, uh-huh. you get that. It's like you. He. It's like he totally knows he's in the Coen Brothers movie, and he's supposed to be this kind of like odd fellow. <laughs> like you can tell he's aware of it, and like I. I only see I just see Justin Timberlake when I watch uh-huh. when I watch him. So like I was kind of relieved that he was only in it for a short yeah. amount of time. That's, that's a fair point. I can't yeah. argue with it. Yeah. No. So, um, but other than that, uh, yeah, the movie was fantastic. John Goodman delivered a great performance, and you know there was another character in it too. With in in the in that section of the movie mm. with Oscar Isaac, John Goodman, there was another character that actually did, you know it was a small role, but he was actually quite good in it too it's Garrett Hedlund Garrett Hedlund yeah. or Hedlund yeah. uh, he was in Tron Legacy oh that was the main guy the main guy from oh, Tron he Legacy looked completely different yeah yeah. but yeah he, that was a great performance from him as well um, also I mean that's and, and Adam Driver speaking of girls uh-huh. uh, her oh, boyfriend right. from Girls Adam Driver yeah. he had a, a small role in the film and like every Coen Brothers movie you get incredible performances from character actors yeah and, yeah. So yeah, so that was both of our number fours. That was um, number fours, and uh, so that takes us to your number three. For my number three, another movie that I was really looking forward to, and I actually surprisingly put it off watching until very late, uh-huh. uh, and that is Spike Jones. Her oh snap! Uh, written and directed by Spike Jones, uh, you know, longtime super popular commercial director, yeah. but I think a lot of people would know him more so. As the uh, director of the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, yep, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Did you look at my list? No. Is that this is my number three. <laughs> <laughs> great this minds is my think alike. Three. Oh yeah. wow, that's great. Uh, that's Amy great. Adams uh, and and Scarlett Johansson as the voice, mm-hmm. only as a disembodied voice in this film. Yeah. Uh, also, minor roles from Chris Pratt, which yeah. I think is a nice lead into what. 2014 will, well, I think, will be the year of Chris Pratt. You think so? Well, he's got a starring role in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, that's this right. This is kind yeah. of the year where he's kind of get, he's going to get a lot of publicity. Yeah. And I couldn't be happier. I'm a huge fan of him from Parks and Rec. You would, you would yeah. recognize him as. Yeah. And the Lego movie. He was the lead in the Lego movie he as was? well. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, you know, and also uh, Rooney Mara. 
who you oh, the dude, girl from the dragon Rudy tattoo Mara is one of my favorites as well. Social network, so yeah, fantastic, great yeah. up and coming actress. Yeah, so a, a relatively small cast, but all great. And this is a movie set in the near future, kind of a sci-fi movie to yeah, some extent, yeah. about uh, an artificial intelligent operating system. Yep. And it's it's uh, in the future. You can get your your phone has an operating system, or your computer just all connected an operating system that has a mind of its own and that it can learn. And it's a true artificial intelligence. And uh, it's about Joaquin Phoenix's character who starts a romantic relationship mm-hmm. with his operating system. Yeah. And it goes from there. It's, it's yeah fantastic. Like, like you said, it's just, I really was kind of surprised that I love this movie so much as well. Really? And yeah, but I, I guess I should have expected that because... Every time Joaquin Phoenix is a lead in something, I just totally end up loving the movie. Yeah, great. Because like he's just so fucking incredible. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, you know, it's an operating system, and it kind of it seems like kind of silly and everything because it's an operating system. Uh, it seems like a silly premise, right? It just think of like, just think of like Siri, right? Yeah. But like, it's a movie about a guy falling in love with Siri, but obviously. Siri has a Scarlett Johansson voice, and it's way more advanced, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of, like, weird, right? But, yeah, dude, it was just such a great movie. And, um, okay, so you never see Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um, but I think she was great. She as was. a voice. Fantastic. And, like, this really, a lot of people are not Scarlett Johansson fans. They say she's not that great of an actress. But I think this right here, this movie proves how great of an actor actress she is. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really great, and she played the part perfectly. So you never even see her because she's just voice. Yeah, there was um, actually, like, some rumblings about her potentially getting a Best Actress nomination. Yeah. And whether or not that would be controversial given the fact that she's never <laughs> actually on screen. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know how I would feel about that either. Uh-huh. But at the same time... It it was a fantastic performance, and without her performance, this movie would not work. Yeah, you know, without Joaquin Phoenix's performance, this movie would not work. And uh, it just goes high to show pants me. and all. <laughs> yes, and that's what I was gonna say too. Like, it, apparently in the future, we're all gonna be tucking our shirts in and wearing really high pants. It's funny that that was like a, it was so perfectly handled that it's like kind of this subtle future trend yeah. because you see other characters wearing really high yeah. pants yeah. but you don't see everybody wearing it. It's not like when you make a mistake when you're trying to create a future uh, world where like, oh, everybody's wearing the same outfit or something like that. Like, yeah. no, like, <laughs> if you look at trends now, there are things that are really popular but not everybody does them. Yeah. Not and, everybody's wearing skinny jeans. Right. But like, so, but it made sense and it felt very natural and yeah. appropriate. They were able, but even it was though, it was kind of funny that it's yeah, right. And like I noticed too, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Even like Chris Pratt's character, you know, like they they they're wearing those pants, and it's uh. like wow. But and what another thing I kind of like about it is like they kept itself. The movie kept itself grounded, mm. you know, because like there is a the futuristic element to it, but it's not overwhelming. It's like it's very subtle. You know, and you see it in the landscape behind them and in the walks. You see, like, obviously you can just tell that it's in the future. Yeah. And, yeah, and, like, their attire is a little bit different. Yeah, but, just, it's but not, ever so slightly right, different. exactly. It's not over the top. Like, a lot of times you see, like, the movie Fifth Element. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Obviously that's an extreme uh, yeah. comparison, but, like, they're just very flamboyant, you know? Like, they're yeah. just really... Um, but this, this is more... A movie that I wanted to show you... That, that puts you in that future, you know, like in a future mindset mm. in order to, to for you to, to kind of like, okay, I can see something like this happening, a program like this, you know, yeah. being possible. It's kind of like the, because you see where we are now with something like Siri and you can project right. 
10, exactly. 15, 20 years down the line of right. where it will be. So it's like very subtle in that to just put you in that mindset and uh. make it a little bit more believable. But it's a movie, like I said, that that it's very subtle in those aspects of it because it wants you to really concentrate more on the characters and the story mm. and just... And the, the meat of what it's really getting at. I mean, this yeah. is a story, this is about love. Mm-hmm. It's about relationships uh, you know, I guess more specifically, it could be a, a you know a, a very pointed commentary on long distance relationships. Because yeah. in a way, that really is what long distance relationships are. Yeah. We, you're just talking on the phone to someone. I mean, mm-hmm. this is essentially what he's doing. Yeah. It's a, it, the way it focuses on those things and what it means to be in a relationship, what what it means to be in love. I found really it was handled so well and so beautifully. Yeah. And and to be honest, as I was watching this movie, I would say like. 80% of the way through this movie I was liking it yeah. but I, I didn't love it mm-hmm. and it has such a beautiful perfectly handled ending mm-hmm. that the, the movie really stayed with yes. me yes yeah. and the, 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 the way they it. kind of wrap it up I, I thought was so beautiful yep. unfortunately totally there was like a line taken from like the last 10 minutes of the movie that was spoiled for me on Twitter like oh, not even somebody really? I followed somebody retweeted it we're like whoa when, when she says this and I'm like I, once I saw that, I kept, like, waiting for it. And I'm like, God, I hope this is something that happens uh, in the first half of the movie so it doesn't, like, really kind of yeah. spoil me. But it was literally, like, one of the last things that happens. Yeah. So that was kind of took away from me. But, like, I just felt like it was it was handled so beautifully. I that totally agree. It's it's It made up for it. it. It That's the thing when a movie like this is, like, the ending can either make or break it because of the content because of what this, the movie is about mm-hmm. but like yeah just the way yeah like I said the way it ended it was, it was perfect mm-hmm. it, like, it totally just was perfect for me and, and uh, I, I mean I wish I could be you know t- talk more in depth about that mm-hmm. I don't yeah. I, we don't want to rob it, you of the experience yeah, that was robbed it was, of me yeah it was just so <laughs> great man the movie was great and you know like I said Joaquin Phoenix is, he has just so much so much range and uh he just has a way of really bringing characters to life on screen. Mm. And uh, he just makes everything believable. What you're watching on screen, he just makes it very believable. Mm. And uh, he deserves an Oscar. And he probably won't get it this year. He should have got it last year for the Master. He should have gotten it last year and, for the Master. And he has obviously has his work cut out for him this year. You know, because there's a lot of strong competition. But... Mm. I want to see this guy get an Oscar sometime because he's just so damn incredible. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that he hasn't got one. He's yeah. going to be one of those guys, I feel like, at the end of his... like As he goes on, where we're going to look back like Scorsese and be like, how has he not won an Oscar? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So so those are our number threes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fantastic movie here. Check it out. Uh, our number... Th- oh, well, you're number two. <laughs> Probably our number two, given the way yeah. things are going. Uh, we're coming back to me. Uh-huh. Uh, this is another movie that okay. I could have predicted ahead of time would be in my top five yeah. before seeing it, and that is The Wolf of Wall Street. That's my number two! <laughs> is it really? Yes! <laughs> that is my number two! Wow. This is. I think we've been doing this show oh, too long. Oh, my God. We've melded into one person. <laughs> right? Ah, uh, and then, okay, yeah, okay, go, proceed. Okay, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, of course, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, as most of his recent movies do now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jonah Hill and uh, Margot Robbie, this is the first time I've ever seen her, but she was fantastic in Oh, this movie. yeah, she was great. Yeah, yeah, this was, this movie, I feel like, is a spiritual successor to Martin Scorsese, what many consider his greatest film, uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, it, it feels like it's you know kind of tapping into the same energy. It is again going uh, 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 a 
portrait of a character operating just outside the law, mm-hmm. though in this case, in a way that's more legitimate. And it is in itself a commentary on how we treat these people, like it, how we treat Wall Street people, the Wolf of Wall Street, we should say specifically. Uh, it's about uh, the man named, it's about a real person named Jordan Belfour, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote an autobiography, I believe, yeah. uh, called The Wolf of Wall Street or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And it's about his kind of in, in real life. This is a, a, almost like a biopic yeah. of uh, what he did, I guess, in the early 90s, late 80s, selling penny stocks. And, and essentially, his story was the basis for, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Boiler Room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that movie was based upon the same guy really? that this movie was based huh. on. Although somehow, amazingly, this movie is like more realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and even though it is even more though... spectacularly <laughs> crazy, right. the level of debauchery though, yeah. depicted in this film is controversial. Like people are freaking out about it. Mm-hmm. It the, the fact that this even managed to get an R rating. Yeah, uh, it, it to- totally could have been NC seventeen. Yeah, you know. But yeah, but it it is an ugly depiction of the way. People in the financial sector feel like there are no limits to what they can do and there are no barriers preventing them from their debauchery and and the kind of insane wealth one can accrue and what that wealth does to you when you have access to it. That You feel like you can do whatever you want. And when there are no consequences for your actions, it opens up a world of insane behavior. And you see that with these characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And it is so, so it is, it is at times scathing of, you know, just by virtue of the fact that these characters exist, it is a scathing indictment of the American justice system, Mm -hmm. the American financial industry. And, but it, but it is also at times incredibly funny. Yes. It is three hours long, but it it moves so quickly. The pace, the editing is, keeps it flowing so naturally that you're, you're just in it. Yeah. And it's like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. It is it's the funniest movie of the year. It is you know the most like it, there's no like real action parts right. but like it feels kinetic in the way that it it's shot and and written. It's wonderful. Totally. Yeah. I, this movie blew me away as well uh-huh. when I watched it. Um you know like I said it's really high paced and you you don't realize that it's three hours long. Mm. Um, it's super funny. It's shocking. It's dramatic. You know, mm. it has like just so many great elements to it. And uh, Martin Scorsese, this is a fucking great director, yeah. man. This is this is a master filmmaker just firing on all cylinders, yeah. like totally knowing what right. he's doing and nailing it. And, but it doesn't hurt that this guy's able to get like. Amazing actors all yeah. the time, either you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, was. his, I mean, essentially, they're collaborators now, they've done so many films, yeah. Together. Um, and like DiCaprio, like, he did a lot of stuff in this movie that was kind of shocking, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, like, like, <laughs> I, I, wow, like, he, he, he really went for it, you know, and it, <laughs> he did a lot of shit that a lot of actors would be really hesitant to do, and uh, uh like, people in their daily lives would be just even hesitant to do, but he, like, yeah. totally goes for it, and like oh the, my god! Like incredible. right, right from the beginning, you know what you're in for. I think the first scene of the movie, the very first shot of the movie, yeah, is, is, like, is wow. him blowing cocaine in, in, yeah. into, into a woman's rectum. Yeah, it's crazy, and that lets you know, like, you're in for like this is going to be three hours of just insanity. Yeah, but but even though like there are those really extreme insane moments, uh-huh. and I would say that, and all this crazy shit happens, I would say like. Most of of Leo's long moments of dialogue were some of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just gives some 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 very 
so great speeches and yeah it's like he just gets a lot of moments to shine in this mm-hmm. movie and he's captivating yeah like he, he's extremely captivating in those scenes like he's incredible in this movie yeah. and and that's another reason like I that I just naturally in my mind connect the Goodfellas because yeah. like Goodfellas it's these are bad guys you're watching mm-hmm. like unexcusably bad guys like yeah. unequivocally bad guys but they're so charismatic and it, it hmm. some people took issue with that in, in the way it portrays these bad guys but I mean these guys are charismatic you don't yeah. You don't rise to a position of power the way these guys do, even in in kind of, you know, nefarious fields yeah. without being charismatic and having some kind of draw yeah. that, that draws people to you and makes them want to follow you. Right. Like, these are leaders, and, and, but, and they're so, f- like, really genuinely funny and charismatic yeah. and captivating. I will say there is a difference, though, between mm. the Goodfellas characters and this story. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like... Yeah, they're all really bad guys, mm-hmm. but I would think I think there's a humongous gap in between how bad they are. You know, like you know what I'm saying. Like I, I yeah, I disagree with that. Really? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like some of the stuff I feel that like these if guys these, doing Goodfellas compared to what I feel like if does? these guys, I, I feel like the difference between those characters is where they come from and the opportunities they had. Uh-huh. I feel like if you put these guys, if you put Leonardo DiCaprio's character in that world of Goodfellas, yeah. he wouldn't hesitate to murder somebody <laughs> to get ahead. I, I don't think, you know. But I, okay, if, if it gets him the the, the money, <laughs> yeah. If it gets uh-huh. him the success, if it gets him the women, I, I don't think he would hesitate to do any of those things. I feel like these guys are just as you know. Well, I can, I still disagree, uh-huh. and there's a big reason for that. There's a, a very very uh, big scene in it in, mm. involving uh, Jonah Hill and Leonardo DiCaprio, a, a very memorable scene mm. um, that in, involves a drug. And I think that if that was the case, the outcome would have been a little bit different in, mm. from that that scene. And I, I can't, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to be specific. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit after the show. But but I, I, I just think that there is a, a, a dividing line between them characters, you know? Mm. But But... Like obviously there are really bad characters. Like no matter what, like they are bad people. Like they're doing really bad things. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's a little bit different. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think certainly there are differences in what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean nevertheless, you know, it's a fucking great movie. Um, what do you think about Jonah Hill? There's a lot of division along, uh, um, you know, among people in his performance. Okay, uh, I'll say this. I think it was ridiculous that he was nominated for Best Actor for uh, Moneyball. Yes, yeah. Uh, and I think that, that film, just in general, is there, it's been a year. Like, that movie came out last year, right? He was nominated last year, or was it the year before? Uh, two years ago. Was it? Okay. Well, so. regardless, it's a movie that we just kind of dismiss now. I mean, yeah. it was like kind of a nothing movie. Yeah, true. There was nothing true. really special about it. Yeah. Uh, and certainly there was nothing special about his performance in it. Yeah, he had he was an accent. Not, yeah, but he was nominated. He has an accent in this one as well. Yeah, true, he was nominated true. for best supporting actor. I also think it's ridiculous that he was nominated again this year. I don't. I, but yeah, I, it's strange because it's like it's it's gotten so much praise, obviously, by getting a nomination. That's an incredible honor. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think it's anywhere near that, 
I also I liked it, so I'm like I feel like I'm criticizing yeah, something I liked, right? Just because I feel like it's overpraised. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I'm I'm like kind of like on the fence with his performance as well. Yeah. I he, thought he was good in it. He yeah. was, yeah, he was good, but at the same time, it's like I don't. He seems kind of out of place sometimes, but at the same time, it's like you think about what this movie's all about. It's a crazy ass fucking movie, mm. so his crazy performance kind of fits in. Yeah, but at the same, ah, it's just like it, like every. Every thought and feeling I have about his performance kind of contradicts itself, and it's like I don't know what to feel about it. And, uh, um, but for the most part, I, I agree with you. I really that, like that it, yeah. he that he. Well, I don't think he should have been nominated either, uh, especially for Moneyball. Uh, then for Moneyball, you're right; he, he shouldn't have been nominated for that. But I, I guess it kind of worked for for what the movie is. You know, mm-hmm. and, I uh, definitely think it yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But there's like a lot of choices they made in this movie. I mean, it's a three-hour movie, and so there yeah. was like a lot of. And this movie, I guess, in a way, it's it. I mean, not even in a way. As a theme of this movie is indulgence. Yeah. And yep. so there's you know there's a theory that he kind of Scorsese kind of indulged himself in the way that there are these long takes in this movie. Yeah. There are long conversations. There's a conversation. Regarding the logistics of a midget crossing, I you were going to mention that uh, that goes on for a long time, and, which made me feel very uncomfortable. Well, I, I mean, say. that's the thing. I mean, and that's kind of the way yeah. he manipulates you as an audience member. It's like what they're saying is like really terrible. Yeah, but the, the conversation itself <laughs> is so hilarious. It's oh, like this man. incredible deadpan conversation. Yeah. about the logistics of hiring. Yeah, uh, little people to toss. Right, and it's like it's so offensive, That's... but it's also really captivating <laughs> yeah. and really engaging and yeah. really, really funny. But I, uh, another thing I wanted to point out too, like you said, the performance of of uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, like when she's introduced in the movie, I'm thinking, oh, she's just going to be kind of like a, a she's going to be in this one act to just yeah. further the story. You she's know? just this but, insanely drop dead gorgeous woman right. who's going to just you know be but on the side. No, sideline. like she's. Phenomenal! Yes, just delivers a great freaking performance, and I've never seen this woman before. But yeah. like, she needs to be in more movies. Yeah, because she's just so. Well, this talented. is. I mean, this is going to be a breakout. Oh, role absolutely! For she was lot. just so great in it, and uh, yeah, just and she is insanely beautiful. Beautiful, very beautiful. Yes, but yes, also very good actress. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing actress. Um, so yeah, that was a great performance. Just a great movie. We both yeah. loved it. Obviously, it's both of our number twos. <laughs> Which brings us to our number one. I say you lead off the number one because I've. <laughs> you think yours is going to be different? I'm certain mine is okay, going to be different. Okay, all right. So. All right. So, all right. So, my number one comes no surprise to most of our listeners, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's Gravity. Gravity. Okay. All right. So, so Gravity. Like, there's really not much else I can say about this movie that I haven't already said in previous episodes. We have. We spoke about. We've talked about this in depth and just a lot. But I just want to reiterate a lot of things that I said is, is like, this movie is what going to the theater is all about. Mm. You know, uh, movies like this are the reasons why I wanted to do a movie podcast, you know. And uh, it's just, like, the ultimate cinematic experience mm-hmm. for me. And, you know, it has, it, it, it was just so fantastic. It has characters you want to root for. Post pounding action, uh, stunning visuals, and just an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, you know, it's just an amazing movie that I 
I like it was in theaters for so long, and it, and it was it pulled out of theaters, <laughs> and then and it, it was came, in theaters came, again. They reintroduced, and it, it was yeah. out of theaters, and then it was in theaters again. And it's like I this is a movie I kept pushing everyone to see throughout the year for a reason because it was just so freaking fantastic, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I just loved every single element of this movie, and it got better every single time I watched it. It was still very very good. Like it felt like. It pretty much felt like it was the first time I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like this movie just is the definition of of movies for me and why I love them so much. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I, I was just to- head over heels for this movie. I watched it so many times in the theater. I watched <laughs> it in IMAX a couple of times. I watched it in 3D a couple of times, and and uh, you know, it was just like a first time experience every single time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Like another movie that I think is going to come up in our honorable mentions. Uh, this is as you mentioned. And a real IMAX experience. Like yeah. this is a movie that a true IMAX fully utilized IMAX. Yes. And for me, I actually, it's for as great as this movie is, and I agree, it's great. Obviously, we, we've both gushed about this film yeah. on a previous episode. I am a little worried about the IMAX thing. That like I've actually now I've seen this movie at home, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. it okay. doesn't carry the same weight that yeah. it did in IMAX. And like I worry about the like filmmakers going in that direction. Certainly, it's, it was an incredible experience yeah. when you are sitting especially if you are in a region that has a really good IMAX screen like like we do in Chicago yeah. the huge IMAX screen at Navy Pier where it's kind of these scenes in space where, where they're floating in space and looking over planet Earth yeah. and it's kind of you're awash in this world yeah. just surrounded by the screen it's incredible it, yeah it really yeah, is it was, it was just incredible performance <laughs> I, I, like, I worry about that because all of these movies the, the majority of people are not going to see them in theaters yeah, so I well wonder... actually I wouldn't say that because um, Gravity actually did really well in the box it office. Did. It did extremely well. Which it I did really, really well. So a lot of people about. actually did see it. But I mean, a lot of people did see it in theaters, theaters for a few months, and then this movie, like all movies, are going to live on for decades. Yeah, and the people who are going to see it in decade, you know, dec- two decades from now, are not going to be seeing it in well, glorious IMAX. See that that's true, I, I guess, but. I think with the televisions that people have in their homes these days, They're not that big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have a fifty-five inch at home. Yeah, right? so it was yeah. it was beautiful. But exactly. It was also... So so like everyone wants to have a big television. Yeah. So it's like, and then a lot. We're of people, really gonna need to upgrade our TVs. <laughs> but but no, I mean, I I think you know, I, I I still think it it can have the same experience at home. Obviously, it's not gonna be the same. Yeah. You know, but but I think that it still has potential for people that haven't seen it yet to check it out. On their humongous uh, mm-hmm. HD televisions, um, and it, a lot of people are really into the whole 3D thing, you know. Yeah, and things. amazingly, so, I mean, your number one film of the year is a 3D movie, right? And, like, and, and it was used so wonderfully in this yeah, film. It was it, used it for dramatic great. effect, yeah, as well. I mean, there are scenes when that you know where the 3D actually adds drama to what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. The, the the way you can now kind of see better where characters relate to the things around them. Yeah. I thought it was really, and this is a yeah. movie that, for as big a spectacle as it was, mm-hmm. is very, it, very intimate in that it's it's focused in on essentially two characters. Yeah. Uh, depending on how you, I give like, like one character, really the main character, it's yeah. very personal with Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, who gave an amazing performance, yeah, um, deserves an Oscar in my opinion. Yeah, it, like it's just it was just such a great movie, but yeah. Like people really think about yeah the the visuals and all that stuff, but I think that the underlying message I kind of took away something else from it too, and mm-hmm. it's just like how people kind of run away from their problems, that kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's very symbolic mm-hmm. in 
you know, in that aspect of it too. Like for for me, the the message I took away from it is how people, how uh, the depth people will go to to get away from their problems. You mm-hmm. know, and if you, I think if you've seen the movie, you kind of understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, like I think there's definitely a deeper meaning to it, and and uh, that's kind of like another reason why I love it so much too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like more than their problems, it's. Just the way you withdraw from others. It's yeah. about human connection. Yeah. And it, it's about the idea that we can withdraw from human connection, mm-hmm. but how important that is that connection. Absolutely. And so they, it's, you know, in a very kind of overt way, they put, they set it in space yeah. where you are as far from humanity as, as exactly. a human can be. Exactly. And, so, and that drive to reconnect with yeah, humanity and yeah. reconnect with others, yeah. I thought was really yeah, it, it's it's really it was, beautiful. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like the movie works on so many more you know aspects aside from the visuals and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Aside from the, the the action, like there's way more to this movie than that, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's why like that's one, another reason why I have you know recommended this movie to people that haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, that's my number one. That's my number one. My number one is uh, is in a little bit of an opposite. I guess the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big thing, though. Yeah. It's an intimate story. Yes. And this is very intimate in every way. Okay. Uh, and this is the movie Short Term Twelve. Whoa. Yeah, a real that surprise. Is a big for yeah, I haven't even seen this movie. You haven't. Well, no. you also have no excuse because I. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> You I should, wish you would have told me. You like, should if, be able to see if it. you would if you would have been a little bit more like adamant in like getting me to watch it. If you would have uh-huh. like, you need to watch this. I would have watched it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's my favorite movie of the year. Wow, it's uh, okay. one of my favorite movies that I've seen in a, in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. It is about a youth group home mm-hmm. uh, that shares the same name as the title, Short Term Twelve. It's a short term group home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's starring. It's written and directed by De- Destin Cretton who uh, is an indie filmmaker. I'm really kind of excited to see his other movies. His last movie uh, is called I Am Not a Hipster, and it's on Netflix streaming, so oh, okay. I'm really looking forward to watching yeah. that. But he wrote and directed it, starring that, yeah. Brie Larson, who you know many people know and love. I know Scott what you're Pilgrim. talking about now. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about now, because I wanted uh, to watch this movie. Uh. Star- starring also uh, John Gallagher Jr., who, uh, who some people might know from The Newsroom, HBO series The uh-huh. Newsroom. Who I was not a fan of, but now I'm like a massive oh, fan really? of his. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, it's about this group home and about the 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 kind of young people in their 30s, 20s, 30s who are working in this group home yeah. and the kids in the group home. Uh, and it's about it's it's about scars, really, uh-huh. both literal and figurative. It, it's about the trauma that these kids have experienced how you deal with that trauma, mm-hmm. how these people who work there deal with that trauma when they are themselves, you know, people who have suffered trauma and how they deal with their own issues. Yeah. I think it, it it's the most honest and intimate portrayal I've ever seen of this type of subject matter mm-hmm. of, uh, of people in a situation like this. People, you know, who are wards of the state or... It, it, it is so subtle and so beautifully rendered. There's every every single aspect of this rings perfectly true. Man. I don't feel like it's manipulative at all. 
Like, there's not a hint of manipulation in this. When this is a subject, I mean, when you're dealing with kids who've had, you know, traumas in their life, yeah. that is rife with potential for manipulation. Yeah. They could very easily have a kid say something that feels just a hint uh, not true. Yeah. That feels like they're hamming it up. And the, the, the child actors are phenomenal. I mean, they might be the best young actors I've seen in roles like this ever. It's it's one of yeah. the most beautiful and humanizing <sighs> films I've ever seen of anyone in this situation. Yeah. It's incredible. I feel like I'm no so one's mad ever I didn't watch this, this. and I, I I want everyone to see this. I want, I feel like it should be required viewing. There's a character who is like brought in yeah. as as is typically the case where there's an environment where people are are already kind of familiar with each other, which as they are, you're kind of jumping into this movie where all the characters know each other and they have previous relationships and the kids are already there. Mm -hmm. And so you're bringing in one new character as kind of, in a way, to be the audience cipher, the person who's new to things and experiencing them for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this movie makes the brilliant choice of not making that person the main character. So they're used sparingly. and. And that person is like there for moments when things happen mm. that would be uh, surprising to us. It is, it is also surprising to that character. But then that character immediately retreats to the background so we can focus on the characters that yeah. really drive the film, like yeah. Brie Larson. Yeah. Who, I mean, this is really a oh. centerpiece for her. And I I, there's, I I don't think she was even nominated for... for she might have been. Was she nominated for Best Actress? No, not okay. the Oscars, no. Yeah, she no. she should have been because she's extraordinary. Yeah. Everything about this movie is so... S- rings so true. And actually, the director, the writer-director, yeah. uh, worked in a group home. So it makes uh, it makes sense that he's drawing on right, his own. Right. And it reminds me of this thing that Dan Trachtenberg used to say, a former host of the Totally Rad Show, yeah. which has come into my mind a lot lately, even seeing something like the Goldbergs on TV, which is completely different than this. Mm-hmm. But he, he would say uh, that the, as a filmmaker, the more personal you make something, the more universal it is. Mm-hmm. If you make something that is intensely specific yeah. to you... I, I totally agree. Yeah. More people are able to identify with it because if you're expressing the, the exact feeling you yeah. had, Absolutely. other people have shared that feeling. Yep. And the more broad you try to make something, the less people uh, can really empathize with it, the less, people, right. the less it rings true. It rings false for everybody. Yeah. I and totally this agree. movie, like I said, it just I, 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 I empathize it. with everybody and... and it's so incredible. And it, the, the way it portrays these kids, I mean, it's really just, yeah. it blows my mind. Every single second of this film is perfect. Wow. Perfect. Like, I'm so upset that I haven't and watched it And it's a yet. small movie. I mean, it's a very yeah. small it is, in It's scope. a very small movie because, like, I even, I, I'm pretty sure I, I Instagrammed an uh, article about this movie. Uh-huh. Because I, I was like, wow, like, this movie sounds great. I need to watch it. Well, there was and an I article never watched written, it. There was an article written by uh, one of the writers from The Dissolve, which is uh-huh. a new uh, film site that was started by a lot of ex-Onion AV Club people, and it's run by Pitchfork. Yeah. It's kind of like a sister site to Pitchfork. Uh-huh. Uh, and one of them wrote about his experience actually growing up in a group home and how this movie affected him because it was so... Wow. It was so real. And, right. and so... I mean, this movie, like you said, how gravity... And I get, I absolutely get that, and and I, I agree, like that gravity, that kind of, that that big beauty and that incredible, like thing that could only exist and you could only experience it in film. It's like mm-hmm. the reason you love films. Yes. And I think this is like the other side of that same coin. This is something so perfectly 
rendered so personal mm. that it's it's the other reason why I love film. Yeah. That it's like it reaches into your heart and it, like you it changes your perspective and it seems like something I would love. Like, like I just know that I would totally dig this movie. There's a like, scene in this it. movie where one of the kids raps. And, like, that scene in every movie where something like that happens <laughs> is the worst scene <laughs> in cinema. Yeah. Like, if you, like, like, they're trying if, to connect with the youth. Like, yeah, yeah we know. We, I get you, man. Like, and I and in this you. movie, yeah, yeah. it's, like, one of the most true <laughs> emotionally wrenching moments I've seen in recent cinema. Like, it's, like, it was so beautiful. I'm sold, man. I'm totally sold in this movie. And just, like, even it. it's, like, just a simple, like, a, a, a short, like, three minute or, like, a... Like a a minute and a half, maybe, yeah. of him like doing this rap, and throughout even that, it's like a roller coaster. It's like oh. it starts one way, you're like, "Wow, this is really interesting," and then immediately it turns like heart wrenching, yeah. and then really interesting again, and then you're like, "It made me think of myself differently when that mm. ended." You're like, gonna... "Am I a voyeur?" There's nothing voyeuristic about this film. Mm. It feels very much of and respectful, and it's like giving a voice to them rather than giving you a way to look at them like in a zoo or something. Dude, I'm sold. I'm watching I, I have to check out this movie. So mm. sounds great. So yeah, that was our top five. Yeah. That was a great list, man. It, even was, though like <laughs> even though we had like the same the, yeah. uh, two to four or whatever. Just means we were right. <laughs> but yeah, it was those were really good lists. Man. Like we said, this was an extraordinary year for film. Yeah, it really was. You know, there's a there was a lot of tough decisions in cutting movies out of our list and mm. especially you know for me w- with the top 10 that I made that I made uh what are what would you what are five movies that would be that would make up your 10 through 6 if you can oh, okay. five only yeah uh well gravity of mm. course before midnight i mean i, I I'm, it might be a little I'm surprising surprised. that I, it wasn't i, I, I am my, very surprised that was i expected it to be in there. and that would only be the case in this year with the, such incredible movies but uh, uh yeah i i adored that film i know we yeah. spoke about it i don't think we spoke about it on the show but we spoke about it before just, midnight yeah yeah, no, we did talk about it on the show. Are you sure we watched it together? And I think that no, be- you're right. No, we didn't. <laughs> we talked about the series before we watched before yeah. midnight. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, we spoke about it. You know, just personally, and it's yeah. I, I adore that movie. Yeah. I adore everything it says and the way it makes me look at these characters. Uh, I was a big, big fan of Francis Ha. Yes, Francis Ha, which was another indie movie, uh, black and white, starring. Uh, What's her name? I forget. Yeah, it's, but it's you'll it's just, just Google Francis Ha and then watch it. It's on Netflix instant streaming. It was another movie that kind of took took me a little while to kind of fall in love with it, but I did by the end. Yeah, and again, like the <laughs> I was this is I've heard this from several people, uh, and it rang true with me as well that they didn't watch it when it first came out because they hated the title. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig, who yes. is like an indie darling. Uh, and it's actually making a big move to television now, which is kind of cool. Oh, gonna, cool! Yeah, that's great. Yeah. She's gonna have a paycheck to supplement these indie films she's doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's like another. It's like that title. I, I like just I. The fact that it's an indie movie and it's like Francis Ha and the poster is like a girl dancing. Yeah. I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna hate this movie. Like I'm set up <laughs> to hate it, so I just didn't watch it. And then when it, it went on Netflix, I watched it and it was you know it was fantastic and recontextualized the title and made me fall in love with it yeah yeah Francis Ha a really good movie it kind of has like the girls kind of feel to it you know what I'm saying (laughs) well like as far as what 
the whole basis is of the movie and the show, you know? Yeah. It's like it's about these these young people no, yeah, yeah, that are trying to make it I, I thought York. you meant I thought you meant the girls' perspective as opposed to referencing no, no, the no, actual no. I meant, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, HBO girls, right? Yes. Like, it's like, it's about these, these young women I who are trying to make agree, it. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to make it in New York and uh, but this is way more uh, well done. Yeah, I guess you know it's like, like you said, black and white. At first you're like, whoa, okay, it's trying to be deep or whatever. But <laughs> but like, no, it totally works. Yes. Like the black and white and just the, the the characters, the story, everything about it was just really really cool. And it's like it kind of thrives in those areas of the show girls that that, that you know where like where, where girls is trying to accomplish something. I think Francis Ha. You know, accomplishes a lot of yeah. those things, and I think there's something that you probably, I think you, I think I might have, that. I think I might have said that you in might have conversation said that, that, right. that Francis Hot is what girls wants to be, or yeah. Francis Hot and you're, what you're girls to- are trying you're to. You're totally yeah. right because yeah, this this is a really great movie too, and I it it, it should have been in my top ten. It should have uh, been there. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's but, it's one of my memorable ones. Uh, another one, Blue Jasmine, which is. Is a movie that I might have predicted to be in my top five yeah. starting the year by Woody Allen, my, one of my favorite filmmakers, his mm-hmm. most recent movies. And I would say, you know, he has kind of like a history of making good movies and then bad and movies that aren't very good. Yeah. And this is one of the good ones. Yeah. But not quite, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't put it in the upper echelon, although I agree with the uh, Best Actress nomination for Kate Blanchett, yeah. who yeah. is, you know, always lovely. She's um, great in everything. Yeah, yeah. and she's, she's great in this. It's great seeing her in this. So uh, even I, I think she's a little bit above maybe the, the rest of the movie mm-hmm. in that regard. Also, you know, Gravity. Uh, uh, another movie that I, I would like to mention, yeah. even though it's my favorite documentary of the year. Oh, yeah. And that is uh, Stories We Tell yeah. by Sarah Polly, who is uh, you know, an actress who's done you know, several movies and, yeah. but is now kind of gaining momentum as a filmmaker, as a mm-hmm. writer and a director. Yeah. Uh, she directed a movie that I, I really love starring uh, Seth Rogen and Michelle Williams. But it, it, this movie, Stories We Tell, is about her family, ostensibly, and you know, kind of the way she came into this world and kind of the, a familial legend about her yeah. and her birth that she kind of investigates and it's it, it's just it's, it's really interesting you know there's twists and turns like in any good documentary it's really well put together and what, more than that was that no what year was that movie that you're referring oh, to oh uh, recently what are you what are you take looking? this waltz take this waltz yeah, yeah. it's a take this waltz is like a, a lovely portrayal of what it's like to be in a, a loving relationship mm-hmm. I think it was really beautifully done film. Yeah. But this one is about, you know, it's like a, it's her family, but then it's also, as the title would suggest, it's about the very idea of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And she, so the documentary is, it's it's this documentary she's shooting about her family, but it's also a documentary about the making of that documentary. Mm-hmm. And the, pro, so there's lots of behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, in one scene you'll see an interview with her and then you'll see, the camera recording her interviewing that person <laughs> and the way it kind of it, it talks about how our histories are really in a sense these stories we tell yeah. you know it, it's how we remember it. it it's a saying you know that I, I forget who said it but it the the idea that while you're experiencing something she actually says it i think it's read as the narrator reads it at the beginning of this movie that while things are happening to us, it's happening to us. It's like, it's this crazy, like, you get into a car accident, and it's crazy. And it's like, oh my god, this is happening to me. And then the next day, as you're recontextualizing it, it becomes a story you tell. Mm-hmm. And you kind of reshape it. Yeah. And now it's a story. And every your past is a story. And is that the truth? Or is it how you see things and re 
organize things in your mind to create kind of this narrative of your life. Mm-hmm. And so this is just wonderful. I mean, it's it's built around, you know, kind of her origin, essentially. And it has different perspectives of different people. And they're all kind of telling their stories. And some things line up and some things don't. And everybody has their their very their idea of what's true. Yeah. And but it's it's so great. It's profound. It's about family. It's about identity. And it's about the stories we tell. Interesting. Oh, nice. I like <laughs> I like that at the end there. <laughs> I know. I should have wrote that down. But, uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, some of my honorable mentions, I guess. You know, I already shared some of these on Facebook. But American Hustle. American Hustle. Um, which is a, just a very popular movie in general. Um, David O. Russell film that was really driven by the by the performances from uh, Christian Bell and Amy Adams. Mm. I think they were really just um, just standout performances as always. Um, yeah, and and something I said too before, like on Facebook, was that it definitely has like a Goodfellas vibe to it. It's uh, like David Russell trying to trying, trying to do trying to do it. Yeah. It didn't come close in quality, but mm. at the same time, it was a really fun movie. I thought it was really entertaining. Unfortunately for the film, I watched this. Right before the same day, I watched it the same day, and I went to go watch Wolf of Wall Street right afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think that's why I knocked it down a couple of pegs. Uh, but it was a, it was an interesting movie. It was pretty good. This is the end. Like you said, this is this is kind of the year of dramas and really suspenseful films and everything. Uh, but this is the end is one was was one of those really rare good comedies out this year. Yeah, it was kind of like a lot of it hit or miss for a lot of people. Um, I just thought it was. You know, it's a pretty cool idea of celebrities playing themselves during an apocalypse and everything. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just a, a really fun movie to watch, uh, really funny. And uh, another one is The Place Beyond the Pines, which is one that you totally don't agree with. And a yeah, lot of people I don't. very much dislike <laughs> this movie. But no, like The Place Beyond the Pines, I understand that it has a, a shitload of problems. But I, I just really dug it, you know. It was a, it, it definitely has some problems to get you from one point of the movie to another in connecting the story and, and just trying to move it forward. Like, a lot of that writing was sloppy. Mm-hmm. But I think that the performances and the drama and the tone of the movie kind of makes up for a lot of those inconsistencies in the story. And uh, I totally dug it. Um, I think Ryan Gosling was pretty damn incredible in, a bit, in, in this movie. I've, I, I'm not a big fan of Bradley Cooper, but like, like it's hit or miss with him as well for me. And uh, I think he did a decent job in this movie too. I was just totally into into the movie. Um, and uh, then there's also Ender's Game. Ender's Game, which is a movie we talked about with Jamie Radar here on the show. Uh, that was a lot of fun. It was a really fun movie to watch. Like I said too, um, it, it you know we talked about it on the show and I said it on Facebook, but I really love the books and I love the movies. Um, but the the visual effects and the fantastic performances, especially by by Asa Butterfield, like were just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. And we haven't even mentioned. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this yet. There's a couple movies here that I'm, I'm that I think you're going to mention one of them. But Twelve Years a Slave. Oh. Twelve Years a Slave. Reason I haven't mentioned it is yeah. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? No. I, I'm totally shocked. Okay, I'm shocked. Really? I, this is one of those movies, and this is I don't, I'm not the only one who succumbs to this phenomenon, what? and that is the idea of a critically acclaimed movie yeah. that almost feels like homework. Like I know I'm gonna, oh, really? so I'm gonna, it's gonna be painful while I watch it, and so yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I'll put it off till tomorrow and watch something else, <laughs> and then tomorrow eventually never comes. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, uh, it's it's long. It didn't feel that long. Did it not? You no, know, oh. it didn't feel that long. But but like this is just a really good movie overall, and uh. 
And uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's very, it can be kind of gruesome at times. It's kind of hard to bear. But uh, and this is something that I also say on Facebook. I know I keep saying that, but like, it's a Steve McQueen movie, mm-hmm. and uh, Steve McQueen just really, he really does have kind of like a knack to hit you over the head with his visuals in his movies, mm-hmm. and. I think uh, I would say that his movies are kind of driven by that, by like making you feel uncomfortable, by having really disturbing scenes and acts in his movies. Mm. But Twelve Years a Slave is a little bit more. It, it is there are some absolutely disturbing scenes in this, and I was going to mention a scene in it, but you haven't even seen it yet. I haven't seen but it. But there's this scene involving a tree, and it just goes for so long. <laughs> That is is excruciating uh-huh. to watch. Like it's so hard to watch. That's what I. That's what got me to put the movie up. Yeah, and uh, it's like like Schindler's List. Like you know it's gonna yeah, be great, right? But it's like you're right. It is like Schindler's List. You're, mm. That's actually a pretty good comparison, um, considering the content and yeah. everything. But but I think that this is one of Steve McQueen's more disciplined work. Mm-hmm. It's like it's very it's more disciplined, and and he's able to kind of uh, really like. Those very graphic moments in this movie are earned, mm-hmm. I think, and um, it's just it, it's it's just so effective as a movie and just just everything about this movie. Like it, it, it'll affect you. It definitely will affect you. And it was just a a, a really good movie overall. Fantastic performances from I might but- butcher this, but it's uh, <laughs> Chiwetel Ejiofor. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ejiofor. Uh, Michael Who Fassbender. Firefly fans like yeah. us might recognize yeah. from being in the, the Serenity. movie version. Serenity. Yes. Uh, Michael Fassbender, of course, was great in everything. And Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita um, Nyong'o. Like just some, some... Who you might remember as being in- this insanely stunning at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, she's beautiful, you see her? beautiful woman. And she's um, Mexican, too. She is? She, well, she was born in Mexico. <laughs> okay. That's why her name is Lupita. <laughs> okay. All right. Um... But yeah, like the movie was just absolutely worth mentioning because mm. it was just a very uh, effective movie, you know, for considering the content and everything. It it, it did what it was supposed to do, uh, I would say. Also, if one, I, I know you've seen, I guess, kind of leaping off that one, Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Which I saw, I thought was really good. I'm really, really, like, I, I'm really excited for mm. Michael B. Jordan. Who is fantastic? I'm, gra- in this I'm movie. glad you mentioned him. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because he was like awesome. He's going to be a star. He's going to be a star. Like everyone who's he seen is going this to be a star. is like saying that same thing, but they're all saying it because it's true. Like you can yeah. see it in him. He's a very good actor, and he's got charisma. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a star. Yeah, and Mike. Um, a lot of people don't know Michael Fassbender or I'm sorry, Michael B. Jordan uh-huh. from The Wire. From the wire, yeah. Who had a, a very memorable, uh, memorable uh, character in the wire. Yeah, he's one of the kids um, in the wire. Yeah, and he was also in more recently Chronicle. Chronicle, the movie. I think we were both kind of surprised how by how good yeah, it was. Yeah, how good it was. Yes, about like yeah these teenagers. Like superhero right. movie. Yeah, really. And cool. now, yeah, of course. He, I, I'm pretty sure I have to check the credits, but I think he was also in Twelve Years a Slave. He had an extremely small role in that. Really, I think he was in that. Wow. Um, he was in, yeah, like I said, Fruitvale Station. But he's also going to be in a new Independence movie. And I think Independence Day movie. Is that an actual thing that's happening, though? Because I think it's still uh, kind of up in the air. Will Smith just said he's not going to do it. So yeah. that kind of throws things yeah. into flux. I think right. that's more, but he's definitely going to be in the new 
Rocky spinoff. Yeah. Which is shocking to me. The only reason I haven't just totally dismissed that idea because it sounds so stupid and crazy to me, Mm -hmm. called Creed, and he would be Apollo Creed's son. Yes, I did hear this. No, that's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's definitely happening. That's going to happen. Uh, It's definitely happening, and the reason I haven't dismissed it as a stupid idea, as stupid as it sounds, is that it's starring not only him, but it is kind of the passion project of Ryan Coogler, who is the director of Fruitville Station. Oh, okay. Who is a director who, after seeing Fruitville Station, I'm very excited about what he's going to do next. And Fruitville Station is based on a true story as well. Based on a true story of uh, Oscar Grant. But uh, what, (laughs) what I will say is the reason it wasn't higher on my list is because, unlike some of those other movies... Uh, I really could feel the manipulation that was happening in this movie. Okay, true. Yeah, I could I could feel kind of the manipulation of them putting scenes... Like, there was a scene with a dog that I thought, yeah, like, this yeah. is kind of... Like, I can see what he's it's doing. It's for character building. Well, I think. I, I think it's more for the theme. I mean, the idea of, true, of true. the way pit bulls are portrayed and viewed yes. in our culture. Ah, and the way, I didn't even see that connection. And the way I young black it. men are per, per, perceived is, in our culture. Dude, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely see it. But it was so superfluous is, to what was actually happening yeah, yeah, yeah. in the story. Uh, I and can't believe I didn't make that connection. But yeah. you're totally right. Yeah, it's... Yeah, totally. It's like right. almost blatant now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It feels yeah, it feels in retrospect very heavy handed. Um, and there are lots of little scenes where they put in it's like when you're making a, a movie about a real person, yeah. there is there's a tendency to kind of deify that person to kind of make them a saint to to build them up further so the the, the tragedy seems yeah, that much worse. You're right. And I feel like that happened in this movie. There's lots of little scenes that, yeah. you know, like that couldn't have happened or that <laughs> didn't happen and it seems like, like something they put in there for effect. Yeah. Yeah. But um uh, other mentions? Well, quickly before we move on, I want yeah. also want to mention Melanie Diaz is in that movie, Fruitville Station. Yeah. I love Melanie Diaz and I Hamlet haven't too? seen her from Hamlet 2 and from Be Kind Rewind. Yes. Yeah. I, I, we do not see enough of her. Like what? I loved her in those movies and I just like I haven't seen it's her around. It's because she's a lot. Hispanic, man. Yeah, man, they're going after That's you. seriously. Well, that's actually the looking thing. at her IMDb page like she's been in a lot of stuff. Oh, I just, okay. I haven't like, seen her. Like, you don't remember her. Yeah. yeah I I want to see her get more at bats in movies like this in like in yeah, like really good movies. She was so good in this too. Yeah. But uh yeah. She's good in everything. But yeah. like it's really nice to kind of see her again. And and kind of like a uh since we're talking about kind of that, mm-hmm. um Oscar Isaac you know, he's also a, a Hispanic actor. Is he? Yeah. Okay. So Oscar Isaac from Louis I'm not Davis. trying to pump up Hispanic no, people. I don't no, know he's you. a Hispanic actor. <laughs> he actually, he changed his name uh-huh. to Oscar Isaac because it was he Oscar. probably would not get as much work with It was uh, as Hispanic. Oscar Sanchez hyphen Gonzalez. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> no, ser- I, I, seriously. So oh, that's, that's cool. I, I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I just wanted to say that because, like, seriously, I didn't realize we were such like a promotional Hispanic podcast. No, no, I'm just saying, like, Hollywood, man, it's a tough business. It really is. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons. Uh And then, and finally, for me, the last movie I mentioned, I swear, Frozen. I feel like oh, I'm glad you mentioned Frozen. It should get an honorable mention. Yeah, absolutely. As an animated picture, especially watching the trailer for that movie, I had zero expectations for it. Me too. Yeah, and then kind of like the critical buzz around it was that it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, I got a chance to see it, and it lived up to that 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 wonderful praise. It is. It's a Disney princess movie that subverts the idea of Disney princess movies. Yeah. Its message is very different from every other yes. Disney princess movie. Yes, absolutely. And there are so many points in that movie where I was waiting for them to cop out and go the traditional route. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't was, to me, so impressive. Exactly. And I also, I think it's like, it's it shows 
the guiding hand of a female director who haven't been given many opportunities in, in yeah. fields like this is is particularly in, in CG heavy animated films. So we we've seen that now more recently. We saw the most recent uh, Pixar film Brave. Yes, uh, had a female director. Uh, and so I feel like it's getting a little bit more of that female perspective, and it really paid off in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, of course, was, the music was incredible. Yeah, the music was great. Uh, like like I said, it was one of those movies that kind of surprised me, too. Uh, like, the advertisements for it were really terrible. I don't know. It just didn't draw me in at all. Uh, but then I started hitting a lot of positive buzz about it. Mm. And um, I thought it was great. It was, a, you know, it was full of very... Funny characters, really good songs, like you said. And, of course, the, the animation was just fantastic, too. Um, and the snowman. The snowman was hilarious, by the way, in this movie. Yeah. Like, I cool. really thought he was When you watch the trailer, it's like, oh, that's going to be the character I hate the most. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what... That's what I'm saying. Like, the advertisements for this movie were so bad. Uh, well, um, but, nevertheless, it's a Disney movie, so kids are going to go watch it anyways. Right. It's going to make it was, money. It was, I actually um, like the way the advertising went because they shouldn't be trying to draw people like you and me. You're right. They should be going after those kids who are going to like the traditional Disney yeah. movie so that they can get them the message of this film. Yeah. And, which and, is it's, it's great. Yeah, and like I said, it was directed by Jennifer Lee. Um, mm. she, it, it was co-directed with uh, Chris Buck, and but Jennifer Lee did the screenplay for this movie. Yeah, and the music was by uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, who mm. some people might know as the musical writer. They wrote the music and... and Soundtrack and actually everything I think for Avenue Q, which was this incredible off-Broadway play with puppets, a musical mm-hmm. uh, that was like it was incredible. And they also Robert Lopez did the music, uh, you know, co-created the music for the Book of Mormon, which like swept the oh, Tony yeah, Awards right. and is in, it also incredible. So uh, you put like it was just so many talented people coming together, and I feel like that kind of lends to to what this music and these things are and the message of this film, mm-hmm. that they're using people like the Lopez's who are kind of kind of off kilter and I guess Hispanic as well, if that'll you know <laughs> like that. Right. That's your thing. <laughs> yeah. But also no. kind of kind of who are used to subverting convention. If you look at like Avenue Q and the Book of Mormon, they're very subversive yeah. musicals. And so this kind of fits right in with that, like knowing that going in. Yeah. Like yeah, like uh, the underlying message throughout the whole film mm. was to me it, it was very power, powerful. Yeah, it was just and, and beautifully uh, executed. I think, mm. and especially at the end, like I said, it's like it, it's an ending. It's the almost an unconventional. It's an unconventional ending, mm. right? I mean, it just it it's, is. I, I would say I that's what I say it's Absolutely. a subversive ending. So as, it is yeah, directly totally. contradicting you, you, what. Exactly. The so, genre expects. So, like, them. that's another reason why I love it so much. You yeah. Know? Like, it was like, wow. Like, it, just everything about this movie was really good, too. Um, a definite honorable mention for me, too. Yeah. So, I would say, don't use the word beautiful. That's my word. <laughs> I've used it 800 times during this podcast. <laughs> right. But, yeah, real quick, some other ones are side effects. Didn't see side it. effects is one of the movies that caught me by surprise as well. The writing was, was great, the performances were amazing. Another Rooney Mara movie. Um, Channing Tatum like Channing Tatum in dramas for me just don't really work but he was really good in this too mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones and Jude Law it's one of those movies with a bunch of, uh, a few twists and turns that you just will not see coming it was just a really good movie overall like mm-hmm. I, I totally dug that one too uh, Warm Bodies which was kind of like a comedy a zombie comedy 
Um, we, Another we, movie that I had no expectations for, but I actually saw it and yes, I really enjoyed it. Was it was really good. What a, a, a great score as well. Like the, mm-hmm. a, you know, a really good score. Well, I mean, that, I mean, I, for the soundtrack of that one, it's a lot of licensed music, but the music they choose is right. really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's starring the guy from About a Boy, Nicholas Holt. Nick Holt, yeah. Nick Holt, yeah, absolutely. So he was he was really good in it. And in, in dating uh, Jennifer Lawrence. He is? I'm psyched about that. I'm one. mad now. Why? I'm, 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 awesome. I'm, I'm glad removing brought... this from my honorable mentions. I'm glad what? he's done Rose up like that. That's terrible. I was a big fan. He was also in uh, the the UK series. I'm that mad. Copied over. So this movie sucks, guys. Uh, yeah, no, he's an bodies. awesome dude. I'm don't glad watch it. it. Don't like watch that. it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, God damn it. No. <laughs> No, that was it. Was a really good movie. It was funny. It's kind of like it puts you in a perspective or in the mindset of a zombie, like you know, like. <laughs> well, it was, it's, yeah, it is really kind of an interesting turn yeah, on the zombie genre. Yeah, and, and it is from the perspective of the zombie. Rob Corddry's in it too. Like, yeah, who's a really, really funny supporting <laughs> yeah. role. Um, another movie that that would it's more of like a below radar kind of movie. Mm. I think Jamie Radar would like that. Fraser. He does. He's a big fan of the word radar. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but yeah, no. Ain't these bodies saints? Ain't these? Oh, you actually saw that? Yes. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? It's one of the ones I put off, but I've heard good things about. Another Rooney Mara movie. Fantastic. Hey, Rooney and Mara, high batting yeah, average. Huh? Rooney Mara is is just <laughs> killing it lately. Um, but also Casey Affleck, the talented Affleck brother, when it comes to acting, <laughs> the talented um, Affleck actor, and Ben Foster. Ben Foster, and ben Foster is, is one of the most fans. underrated actors around right now. People uh-huh. need to get on his Ben Foster. I'm saying I don't. Bandwagon. I don't remember if I said it on the last podcast, but I feel like he's got the lane that was taken up by what's his name on Breaking Bad. I feel like they're Aaron, comp- Paul? Aaron Paul. They're competing for a lot no. of the same stuff. No, no, And I think no. he's a better actor than Aaron Paul, but Aaron Paul's a bigger, well-known what, star. It's not like Aaron Paul's getting all types of shit right now. Well, he's got he's the not. new Need, Need for, for Speed, Speed movie. That's it. No, I think that's it. So, I think, no. yeah, I think we might not mu- see much Foster, more of Aaron Paul. If, if you don't know Ben Foster, okay, watch this movie. Uh, watch 310 to Yuma. Uh, awesome in that, yeah. It's fucking incredible. Uh, he's just a phenomenal actor. He was also in Freaks and Geeks. So people don't know this, but he's in Freaks and Geeks. He's in Freaks and Geeks? Yes. Ah, look at that. He, he, he plays, was in that. He plays the mentally ill guy in Freaks and Geeks. Ah, look at that. Oh, Anyways, you know what? I kind of remember yes. that now. Yeah. Like, no, he's a phenomenal... Like, I'm going to forgive him for uh, X-Men... What was it? The last one? The the one with the phoenix? The Last Stand. The Last Stand? Yeah. I'm going to forgive him for that. <laughs> but... That's not his fault. The script was terrible. It was a terrible movie. Um, but but he's a great actor. Yeah. He was in that little that that small kind of lesser known movie called The Messenger, where it was. Him oh my gosh! Woody yes, Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Yes, that's another one that I, I really really like. Yeah. So yeah, I'm totally on the awesome Ben Foster. Awesome actor. Back. Huge fan of him. Incredible. Oh oh no, no another thing too. He was in uh, um, Six Feet Under. Guys, what guys, this guy has this guy has range. And also, this again, guy has range. What we'll mention for the second or third episode in a row. He's dating Robin Wright. <laughs> Robin so again, way to go, yeah, man. Way to go, man. But Nick Holt, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 seriously, though. Know, uh, uh, the, la- the last thing I'm going to mention is uh, The Conjuring. The Conjuring. The Conjuring was just the most intense, scary movie I, I, I saw last year. You know, like I mentioned, too, when I talked about it on the show, The Conjuring is... You know, like, well, well scary movies in general are kind of, like, really have not been effective in the last few years. They're, 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 they kind of fall into something, either torture porn or they fall into, like, just 
over-the-top comedy kind of stupid stupidity, I guess. But The Conjuring was a really legitimate, scary freaking movie. And I totally loved it. Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, really good performances. And it was really, really creepy. A really good movie. So yeah, The Conjuring. Check that out. Yeah. The Conjuring. That's it. Any anything else you want to mention? That's it for me. I'm sure there's um, more we could mention, but I mean, those are the ones that really kind of yeah that I really yeah. felt were kind of contenders. And but this incredible okay, you know what? Year. I'm good. I have to say this. What's that? I'm surprised it's not. You haven't mentioned it. What's that? Lay it on me. Pacific Rim. Paci- oh wow! I totally. You know what? That was something that I I literally was thinking about it before we started recording, yeah. and I didn't write it down. <laughs> that was I Pacific think Rim. the one high point. In an otherwise dreadful summer movie season, yeah, Guillermo del Toro movie. Guillermo, who were another huge fans Mexican. Of. I know you're a fan. Yeah, of that. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> no, no, but Pacific Rim. Just wanted to throw it out there because it was yeah. a really good movie. Uh, it couldn't crack my top ten, but it was a, it was a good movie. Yeah, um, that was another one. I think I actually referenced that when I was saying I think another movie that was going to come up in our honorable mentions yeah. was an IMAX experience because yes. that movie yeah. really felt yeah. to me yeah. like it's uh, one of the handful of IMAX experiences that you can really. Yeah, you know, like that. You know, you like, kind of hang your head on. Yeah, that was a, absolutely, that was a, absolutely. Yeah. That was incredible seeing it so, in IMAX. I saw it, I think, twice in IMAX, and I, I would ne- almost never do that because they're so expensive <laughs> with the yeah, parking. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, so that's it, man. Like that's that. You know, we understand this is a really long episode so far. Yeah, but but we're glad you're hanging with us, and you don't have to listen to it all in one sitting. <laughs> Take your time. Uh, but no, seriously, like it, it, it was a big. Like you said, it was just a really big year in movies. So. Uh-huh much to talk about and so thank you guys so much for listening so far but before we end the show we wanted to talk about something that has developed here in, a, in uh, about a week ago uh philip seymour hoffman passed away and um you know philip seymour hoffman is one of the greats from our time from, yeah. from this decade and and it's a very 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 sad to, to see him go um it, it's really hard to just put into words and to really reflect on it because you know, like yeah, there's a lot of a lot of shit going on in the world right now. But but you know, this is a movie podcast, mm-hmm. and and you know, we, you and I we love movies so much, and and we we it's kind of easy to kind of get attached to certain people, you know, like certain mm-hmm. actors and everything. Because when we watch movies, it's it kind of brings a lot of joy to our lives. It, it it's kind of a part of us, a part of our personality too, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that Philip Seymour Hoffman has been a huge part of that because he's just a phenomenal actor he's been in a lot of great movies and there are certain actors that kind of uh i guess you kind of connect with in mm-hmm. a way and um it kind of it, it sucks that things like this happen in the indus in the industry and so this is kind of one of those that really stung for a lot of people you yeah know? for I, movie lovers in general it really stung to see him go yeah no, i know and, this uh, one hit me a lot harder than yeah. uh i mean we've we've experienced recently celebrity deaths yeah i mean i guess that's always the case it's always happening but we've seen a lot of uh, of actors like paul walker uh before him you know heath ledger and a little further back mm-hmm. uh of actors who died before their time mm-hmm. and for all of those none of them really kind of hit me personally i i've always had an appreciation for those guys or i yeah. liked them just on a personal level and it, it maybe it seems kind of crass to say but i don't none of them were really Great actors. I mean, Heath Ledger was very good, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he was a great actor. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman, and I, I, not to categorize the value of someone's life and their ability to act, but I, I, he was such a great actor. He was able to really reach you as an audience member. 
and mm-hmm. really kind of make you empathize with a character, a character that you wouldn't otherwise empathize with, a mm-hmm. character that in some instances like Mission Impossible 3, where they were more of a cipher, but he he humanizes them and makes them interesting. Totally. To characters that are, are more flawed in, in other more personal, realistic ways in other films. Mm-hmm. And he, he makes you empathize with them. He makes you as you said, connect with people you otherwise wouldn't connect with. Yeah. And that kind of broadens your perspective. Mm-hmm. And it changes lives, really. And for him especially, it feels like such a great loss because yeah. I feel like he is one of the best actors of our generation. Absolutely. Or his yeah. generation or yeah. this generation. Yeah. Uh, and like I said to you before the show, thinking of the other actors that are out... Like, it's hard to to choose anyone who's, say, a better actor than him. Yeah. That was a greater actor than him. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's <clears throat> such an incredible loss for our culture. Yeah. Just in general. It really is. And, you know, to lose him in a, in a, in a way like this, uh, uh, to drug use, he, yeah. he died through, I uh, asked what you'd say it was an overdose of heroin, but yeah. uh, as Aaron Sorkin beautifully wrote again beautifully uh <laughs> wrote this past week yeah. uh about he had worked he was also a recovering addict and he had he'd spoken of a conversation that he had with with philip seymour hoffman about about their drug use and wow. and and nice. moving past it and how it affected their lives and he said that philip seymour hoffman told him that the the one i guess silver lining when a high profile person dies struggling with their addiction is that their death probably save saves 10 lives yeah people who realize the dangers of this and people who move past this and and he wanted to make clear that he didn't die of an overdose of of heroin he died of heroin Mm. (laughs) it's not like there's an appropriate amount to take right and and hopefully this death will will help people get clean help them get better Mm. but it's just it's a staggering loss because i feel like I mean, if you're talking about the best actor of our generation, he has to very least be in the conversation. It was an extraordinarily moving actor. Yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of like kind of like the same way I, I feel about Joaquin Phoenix too. When he, when he's just one of those guys that can bring a character to life, you mm-hmm. know, like he he has so much range. Like he makes everything just believable. Whenever you and see can him just speak, disappear into a role, right? And... He he, like you don't think that it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like he he's just. Like he really does become these characters, and it's 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 just a really uh, a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Like seriously, I mean, like, there's that expression that a great actor can read the phone book and it would be riveting. Yeah, and, <laughs> it, and that's that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. You put him in any movie, like yeah. something like The Hunger Games, which we spoke about earlier right, this year. Yeah. We spoke about how great he was in that movie, and that's like you know that's a pulp a genre, you yeah. know, big budget summer blockbuster, right. and. He, you put him in that movie, and he adds gravitas, and he and he just sucks the oxygen out of the room, Absolutely. and draws your attention, yeah. and makes every character interesting. And and it's a damn shame too, because like he, this is a guy that was finally in the last few years starting to kind of like make a name for himself, mm-hmm. you know. And like, yeah, he, a lot of people know who he is now, but but he's like seriously, this guy. And was he just... has thankfully <laughs> had won an Oscar and and gotten. Yeah. He had gotten to stand on stage. Thank goodness for that. And for, be recognized for, Capote, for his talent. Yeah. For Capote. He won Best okay. Actor for Yeah, for so Capote. like, I'm like so glad that he, he won an Oscar too. It, it's it's too often that these people die and then we talk about how we should have honored them. And yeah. so 
Yeah, it's so good like, that it seems he, he was recognized. Everybody yeah, acknowledges uh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and like in the last few years, he had you know started coming to his own. And even though most of his career, he was kind of like a, a, he had small roles and everything. Those are very memorable roles. Mm. And, uh, you know, especially like, you know, movies like Almost Famous, Boogie Nights, Magnolia. Incredible. And like, like, I think one of the most affecting scenes in Boogie Nights is the scene where he is kind of making his advance to Mark Wahlberg. Yes, yeah. And it's so, it's like, it's so painful. Yeah. And 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 <sighs> you so empathize with his character. Guys. Yeah. It's... Like from Twister mm-hmm. all the way to to freaking The Master. The master. Yeah. Like, it's incredible mm. the, what this guy is able to accomplish and what he was able to accomplish. And it's just really, really, really sad to see him go... To know so, that we're never going to get another. I mean, yeah, no more. From what I hear, there are certainly he has the last two Hunger Games movies. Uh, they yeah. shot, I guess, all but one very important. Really? Scene. Yeah. Oh, so, so I was wondering about that too because yeah, he's supposed. Yeah, to Yeah, we have the next two Hunger Games movie. The next movie, part one of uh, I forget. Uh, Mockingjay. Mockingjay. Yeah. All of this stuff is shot, so that's going to come out normally. Part two, they only had one scene, and I guess it was a critical scene. But they're gonna they're gonna like spend the money to kind of digitally. Digitally. Put them in Make there. it, yeah. yeah. There's there are, there are ways around it. They're choosing, I guess, the, the very expensive route. But I mean, they can afford it, and yeah. certainly to honor an actor like this, you should go the extra mile. But they're going to try and do it very tastefully. And yeah. and from what I hear, I think he had. Uh, I, I know he had at least one, maybe two movies at Sundance. So there's going to be we're going to see some more performances of him. But uh, it, it's 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 really yeah. sad that we're never going to get another yeah. one. It's a damn shame because like when I would ask people like who who their favorite actors are. Philip Seymour Hoffman was always in the list, uh-huh. you know, and it's just it's 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 sad and it's sad. And uh, we we apologize for ending the show on such a somber <laughs> note. Well, go back and watch a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. That'll that'll make I things mean, better. All right, that about does it for this show. But before we go, stay tuned for a little Philip Seymour Hoffman scene. It's one of our favorite scenes from one of his movies, so we're gonna play that. Uh, we just feel it's really it's a nice tribute. It's a nice little tribute to Philip Seymour Hoffman. So. So stay tuned for that. Um, but before we go, remember that you can find all of our episodes on our website, somecinema.com. We're on iTunes, so head up there, subscribe, leave, leave us a review. And you can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, at Some Cinema. And you can even follow us individually. You can follow Mike at... Mike Gonzalez, M-I-K-E-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z. And I'm the Lopez 23 that's T-H-E-L-O-P-Z-2-3. And the song for this episode is from Lewin Davis. Yeah, from the Inside Lewin Davis soundtrack. It's called Fare Thee Well, and it's performed by... Uh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac and Marcus Mumford, who is the, uh, the lead singer from the band Mumford & Sons, who also co-scored this film. Awesome. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and, and please enjoy this little clip from one of our favorite actors of all time, Phyllis Seymour Hoffman. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Oh, man. You made friends with them. See, friendship is the booze they feed you. They want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong. Well, it was fun. Because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You are not cool. I know. Even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Because we are uncool. While women will always be a problem for guys like us, 
most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. And they get the girls who are smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Yeah, because great art is about you know, guilt and longing and, you know, love disguises sex and sex disguises love. Hey, let's face it. Yeah, you got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great. You know. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Honey. 